our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And let me pray one more time as we go to this passage. Would you mind? Lord God, we adore the Savior who bought us. We rejoice over the gospel that won us. The redeemed are trophies of grace with orders to evangelize. Make us senders. Senders, a, a church fixated on establishing more and more churches. Your spirit came as promised to enable us to be your witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we pray that you would strip us of all pride, all excuses, deal with our ignorance and our slowness to obey, make our testimony shine as a lamp on a pole, as we studied last week, piercing darkness, pointing to you as the light of the world. Lord, you plainly said, I have come into the world as light, so that whosoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. We are responsible to share the gospel. The, the lost are responsible or their response to it. And you are sovereign over the harvest of souls. So we work for the night is coming. And we rest for the Lord is working. We lift up our voices in worship and praise today, saying with those triumphant saints in glory who sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the, the song of the Lamb, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. We pray for Isaac and Kim who are uh, at Cambridge Bible Church sharing the word and, and presenting the ministry, updating and encouraging people to be part of Peniel Bible Camp. Uh, even more so, we pray that you will help Isaac as he has this upcoming uh, surgery uh, on a tumor in his neck uh, this, this Tuesday, February 14th. May we be in prayer and lift up our brother in Christ. And we pray for Cindy Saul as she continues to uh, recover from surgery. And we ask that your will would be done in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That's my alarm to close. We'll do so at this time. Well, as we moved into chapter four, the last thing we said about chapter three is that the Jewish attack against our Lord Jesus Christ was escalating. And the Lord passes judgment on those who had stubbornly refused his message and he shows the, when they said he does this by the power of Beelzebub, he shows the fallacy of their accusation. How can that be? How, how does a kingdom stand if it's attacking itself? And so in chapter four, 
we see what I might call a, a tactical switch from very straight discourse to parabolic teaching where the Lord is concealing and revealing to those who were rejecting what he had plainly spoken and offered. He is concealing more information about the kingdom. To those who were interested, who were following, who were becoming disciples, the Lord was revealing the secrets of the kingdom. All this reminds me is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. He's not inclined to that. People do not need to just have their, their inner deity fanned into flame. No, they're lost. They're not inclined. And what Jesus said in Matthew 13, a parallel passage, he said, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what was being revealed by him to his disciples. He said, Old Testament prophets and people who had been received righteousness, they were looking at seeing these things. They saw a part of it. The desire to see the whole, you have been privileged this way. So this, this kingdom of God that Jesus had come preaching, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, he came preaching. That was his whole message. But it didn't line up with the errant expectations of these self-righteous zealots. You had religious people who listened to him. Remember, and I, as I said last week, had a glass with their hand over it. See, t teach me something now. They were not interested in being taught. You would say, why be there at all? They were looking for the wrong thing from the wrong source. Let me explain that. They were looking for the wrong thing. They were looking for some, some liberation from the yoke of Roman occupation. And they were looking to the wrong source. They were looking to anybody who would be their liberator. And what they should have been looking to is the Messiah, the Son of God, who came among them. So, our master teacher, Jesus Christ, he re returns to this farming motif with a little different emphasis here. Uh, he's shifting from the soil to the actual seed. And you and I, if we were teaching or trying to describe or tell somebody what the kingdom was like, the kingdom is like, wouldn't we use some very grand terminology? Uh, we would uh, use some awe-inspiring imagery. The kingdom of heaven is like, and we try to wax eloquent. And the Lord says, it's like sowing. It's like seed. It's like soil. So, Lord, we will in this week and next week, we'll look at two different farming pictures, this one, and then of that mustard seed, next week. Let's look first of all at the point in the outline. Don't, we don't contribute anything to the power or the process of regeneration. We don't bring anything to the table. 
And the Lord illustrates this in Mark chapter 4 by saying the kingdom of God is, is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. By the way, we've talked about Mark being the shortest gospel record, and that means that there are many times parables, teachings, discourses, miracles that are recorded in Matthew and Luke and John that you won't find in Mark, because he's giving kind of like a gospel track. There's a time to give somebody the whole Bible. There's a time to give them a gospel track. Mark becomes kind of like the, the gospel in a nutshell. But uh, this text in verses 26 through 29 is recorded in Mark and not in the others. It's one of the few that are like that. You and I live in a culture that is a, I might call it a make it happen culture, where you want to uh, order a piece of furniture. I, I remember that a couple years ago, my wife and I were shopping. We found this piece of furniture. We said, all right, that'll work. Yeah, that price is okay. We, this we would like. Oh, it'll take us a month, and then it'll have to be shipped up from Cincinnati, and you'll have to pay this charge. And it was like, ah, you know, we, we don't want to pay that extra charge, and we don't want to wait that long. Thank you very much. There are times where you get something, uh, an order, and you say, this is not what I ordered or how I wanted it cooked. This is not, this, this did not come Amazon in time. Remember when you used to be able to get your pizza for free if it wasn't in those 30 minutes. You almost hope they got two minutes lost or something. There are times where we want to say, how do we make this happen? And we, what we need to understand is that witnessing evangelism is not, how do we make this happen? How do we bring people to conversion? That is the work of God. We don't contribute anything to the process or the power of regeneration. It's, it's important for us to realize that gospel work through the church now and kingdom work later are not by human manipulation. We don't make it happen. It's not high-pressure invitations. What is a good farmer? Somebody comes over to your house and you show them your garden. Look what I've done. Well, yes, you, by the sweat of your brow, you put that in the ground. But did you make that grow? Somebody comments on your tomatoes. Yeah, I did that. Eh, that may not go over real big. What is a good farmer? Well, he learns the condition of his soil. He works hard, he plans well, he invests properly, but he can't really take any credit for the harvest, what comes out of the ground. Point A, God receives glory for germination. <laughs> we're talking about the especially spiritual germination, and we're using this farming motif to help us understand that. I grew up in a church, in a culture, that had an annual soul winners conference. And you had well-known evangelists. And we were taught uh, a system 
you're witnessing this person, you have to start off, you always start off with this verse. And then if they say this, then you use this verse. If they say this, you use this verse. You see how this gets complicated? Okay. And a person who seemed to master that and could manipulate that and get people to pray a prayer on the spot. Uh, I remember reading one in the Sword of the Lord that was entitled as the greatest soul winner of our generation. You know what that effectively does? That shifts the emphasis from the soil and the seed and the sower uh, onto our work as co-laborers. It is God who gives the increase. The, the power is in the seed. As we will see, Lord willing, next week, albeit a small seed, almost microscopic. A mustard seed is about the size and the color of a, of a piece of black pepper. And yet, what can come out of that? Church work, gospel work, has the power of God behind it when you use the right seed. So, you, Pastor, you're saying churches that are getting up and having good music and interesting stories and uh, energetic uh, encouragement, but not preaching the Word of God, they don't have power? That's exactly what I'm saying. Not the power of God. And those conversions will not stand. And there are a number of people who are convinced, well, I'm religious, but lost. Because the power is in the seed. What we must do at Westerville Bible Church, what you must do as a, as a child of God, is give the Word of God. You know what's powerful is not to say, well, let me tell you a story, but is to say, let me share with you what I learned from God's Word. Let me share with you what Jesus said on that subject. Let me tell you what Christ said about your natural condition. Number one, our privilege and our responsibility is to witness. It is a privilege to speak for Christ, but it is also my solemn duty. You listen to any sports radio, and right about now they're talking about name, image, and likeness, or transfers, or people uh, who are signing up for a program. Listen, somebody who comes to play for the Buckeyes, for instance. We expect them to work hard in the weight room. We expect them to learn the plays. We expect them to lay it out all on the field on Saturday. As seen in the first parable of this chapter, the Christian is to broadcast seed. He's, the sower goes out and sows seed. And so that's what we are to be doing. Christ said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Are we doing that? We have a responsibility. We're involved in the process, but we are not the superintendents. We labor in the field. We don't make it happen. We, we help whatever is to be done but we don't make it grow. There is only one Lord of the harvest. We need to be reminded that ministry is hard work. It's blessed work. Somebody asked me about last weekend, and my wife was saying, was it just last Saturday that we were up in Detroit for a funeral? Uh, sometimes it seems like a long time or a short time. 
And, and somebody, what I told somebody is I said, yes, it was a hard week. It was an emotional weekend, but what a blessed weekend too. Uh, I, I cannot tell you how thrilled I was uh, at the message, the funeral message and the graveside message uh, that Dr. Doran preached. Straight scripture. But ministry must be hard work. We're not here for ease or leisure uh, or convenience. We're here to labor for the master. We expect our missionaries to buckle down and learn the language and learn the culture and find the best way to get the word of God effectively across to as many people as possible. So, do we shy away? Do we shrink back from anything saying, well, that it inconveniences me? The, the Holy Spirit should assist us to continue to grow when weary, to speak when we, we say, I, I, it doesn't come natural for me. The body of Christ should look for ways to edify one another. So to say, well, it's hard. Say, are people blessed? Is somebody, can I serve others through this way? We don't shrink back in fear or silence. We speak. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, all authority is given me in heaven and on earth. I have boldness because he has all authority. I share because he has shared and done a work in me. I have confidence because I know he tells me how it will turn out in the end. And on the grounds that Jesus promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He has not abandoned the church. I remember reading not long ago of a, of a liberal who had rejected many things in the Word of God. And going through World War II, when he saw the loss, even of the building that he, was, that, that he preached in had gotten bombed by the Allies. He was a German. And he said, how can anyone anymore believe that Christ is protecting his church and doing a work today? Because his hope was not in the Lord. Well, Spurgeon... You ever heard me mention Spurgeon before? Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, you have a factor here that is absolutely infinite. And what does it matter as to what others' factor may be? I will do as much as I can, says one. Well, he says, a fool can do that. He that believes in Christ does what he cannot do and attempts the impossible and performs it. So I can go out and build my house and I can build my business because he's speaking about in ministry. The Lord's put this person in your life. You say, but I'm not bold by nature. I don't know if I can witness to them. Trust in the fact that he says, I have all authority. I am with you always. And you say, you know what? I can do this. Secondly, our inability 
and God's sufficiency, did you get that? Our inability and God's sufficiency are liberating. It is liberating for me to understand I, I don't have to pressure somebody. I, I don't have to worry about a situation. I don't have to be clever and come up with foolish tactics. You know, we've seen some crazy things in the last few decades under the auspices of church ministry. Laughing revival. Aren't you glad you don't hear any more about that? But for a while, that was big. There have been things that churches have used that possibly we don't do. We don't have tent meeting revivals and as big a bus ministries. And some of these things were done well and others were manipulative tactics. But there are things that we, the church is not here. How, the, the elders are not to sit in a back room and say, what clever thing can we do to get people saved? The fact that we are enabled unable to do anything about it, and Christ is sufficient to bring it to harvest, that's liberating. We're unable, we are as unable to convict anyone of their sin or to convert any soul as much as a farmer is to germinate one seed. That's his point. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, for which we get our word automatic. Well, you and I probably know a whole lot more, or can. We have access to books at the library, things on Internet. If you want to find out how seeds germinate, I watched a little clip today, uh, a, uh, a, a timed picture of a seed from the time it was put in the ground within 25 days, how it grew. Time-lapse photography. Isn't that great? You know, the ancient Jew could have stood and stared for 25 days and not watched it. They would have seen things, but they would not have seen the process it was mysterious to them. They knew I have to dig. I, certain times of the year I plant. I can't be lazy. I have to use the best seed. I have to stay away from this soil. And I, I serve the Lord in this way. But we can't make it happen. How God plows a heart. How he makes alive. We know not how. But listen to me carefully. We don't need to. I don't know how my wife makes good cakes and pies. I don't need to. I'm, that is a, I know, she, and she doesn't always know how I clean up afterwards. But she doesn't need to. We have our strengths, okay? Add to this, and maybe write down Ecclesiastes 11.5. I won't go back there and read that right now, but... He, he makes a reference to creation as one of the things that is a mystery to you. Salvation, you and I say, I don't know how, why the Lord uses, blesses this region. Can you explain to me why 
You think you can, but you can't. Why North Korea is a is a spiritual desert and South Korea is sending out missionaries to even America to evangelize the world because the Lord is sovereign over the harvest. Can you explain to me why you witness to twin sisters and one breaks down and receives the word of God and the other grows hardened in the process? We know not how. Missions and evangelism, I wouldn't say it happens independently of our efforts. The Lord does use us, but it's not, we don't take credit for any of this. Let me read to you from John chapter 3 and verse 8. The Lord said, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound but you do not know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We can't figure out everything about salvation. We can't make it happen. I will tell you this, that a farmer who tries to mess with the soil, well, I planted this yesterday. I don't see anything green today. My folks didn't build with, they never showed me anything about work in the soil. They came from Indiana. They had, uh, they had, farmland and they had done that they were but they never showed anything to me as a California kid growing up but I had a natural interest in that but I remember one time planting some seeds and then coming and they said well how long were they there well I waited three or four days and then I dug them up I dug around where are these seeds what's going on I messed I never did get a crop never did something as common and mundane as a germinating process of a seed is something that the Lord, the Almighty Teacher, could use to show us that, you know, you and I should have a sustaining peace to be able to say, the Lord's in control. I'm going to throw the seed because I'm called to, I'm commanded to. But how it works, when that person will trust Christ, if they trust Christ at all, that is up to him. Would you agree with me that God is bigger than you? How about, is God bigger than me? You say, absolutely he is. Is God bigger than us? Is God bigger than radical, militant Islam? Yes, he is. Is God bigger than Satan? Yes, he is. Is God bigger than all the opposition that can ever be mounted against the gospel of the church of Christ. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, you know what? In a growing, as you understand the scriptures, as you learn these parables, as you study and meditate on it, gone should be our temerity, our timidity. Gone should be our shyness, our anxiety. Anything that we say, well, I, I've been silent about witness because I didn't know what people would say. If we say, he is alive, he is working, the power is in the seed, he's commanded me to go out, then we go forth boldly. That gives us a boldness, regardless of the era that we live in, regardless of the hardness of the heart of the person that you're witnessing to. Would you have walked up 
to Saul of Tarsus and given him a gospel tract and told him how to be saved? It's probably one you would have avoided, but God could break that heart. John Newton, there's been a, a host of people down through time. We've had some pretty tough characters in this church who have been saved as well. Well, in a book called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, I read this. You are not on a fool's errand. You are not wasting your time or theirs. You have no reason to be ashamed of your message or half-hearted or apologetic in delivering it. You have every reason to be bold and free and natural and hopeful of success. For God can give His truth and effectiveness that you and I cannot give it. Did you hear that? God can make His truth triumphant to the conversion of the most seemingly hardened unbeliever. Did you hear that? You and I will never write off anyone as hopeless and beyond the reach of God if we believe in the sovereignty of His grace. Did you hear that? Don't give up. Don't make it about you. Don't rely on human cleverness. Point B, God expects us to rest in His sovereign, three things here, choice, purpose, and working. We rest in Him. So if God is sovereign, then why do we need to witness? Sometimes people come up with this. They think they're the first ones to think that are clever because God has ordained not only the ends, but the means. He commands, he says that all that the Father give me will come to me. And yet he also tells us to give the gospel to every creature. Knowing what Scripture teaches us about God's control over the entire process it sustains the believer in witness. If you lose sight of this, you say, you know, I tried. I guess I'm just not supposed to be a witness. Where'd you find that? Well, my experience. But when we say, well, you know what? There have been times where I've gotten shy. I've, I've gotten my feelings hurt. I've gotten scared. Why is that? Because temporarily I lost sight of the fact that the Lord is building his church and he's doing the work and the powers and the seed, but I'm going right back at him this week. Number one under that, God alone brings about salvation. Did you have a birthday recently? Katie Rupert? She wanted us all to sing to her and I said, I don't think that's really appropriate, so... Maybe it, was, maybe it was a little different than that. But on, on your birthday, are you saying, admire my magnificence, celebrate with me on all that I had to do with my birth? Is that what you're doing? How do you take credit for your birth? That's probably not what you're doing on your birthday, is it? Did you somehow help your mother? Is there something you did that you got the assist? I don't think so. We, we don't get the assist for our spiritual birthday either. We can't say, well, 
I did my part and then God did his part. That's errant theology that will not stand up to the pages of Scripture. But our flesh wants to claim that somehow we have worked alongside of God. We too should get some of the credit. And when that is not the case, God is the sower. He makes the seed to sprout. He puts in the sickle. He alone gives life by his spirit. Listen to this from John chapter 6. Why don't the rest of you turn to Romans 9, and I'll read to you from John chapter 6, verse 63 here. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives flesh. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Romans chapter 9. I'll read verses 15 and 16. The Lord has already said in the verse before, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. I've highlighted those verses in my Bible, and I encourage you to do so as well. Our trust is in the work of God. Jesus Christ is a farmer. He was doing the work. He sowed his field. We can observe by a, a, a spiritual germination, but we, we can't exactly... All right, so tell me how that happens. Well, what I saw in line, well, what I read in a book, we have a hard time explaining the process. No amount of watching over a seed or waiting for the seed or worrying over the seed makes it germinate or grow or leads it to harvest. As I said, if anything, us poking around trying to manipulate it disturbs the seed or kills the process. We can do what we have been commanded to do, to sow. And we can do, we can believe what Christ has said. He will bring it to harvest. Seeds grow so slowly, so deliberately, that if you and I stood there and had the time to watch it, we would not see it happening. How do they, they grow? Verse 28 says, by itself, automatically, we know from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to everyone who believes. Point number two, not only does God alone bring about salvation, I see that in that word by itself, but secondly, in verses 28 and 29, God always completes or finishes what he starts. He finishes what he starts. Aren't you glad that he will bring us to the point of salvation. He will fi finish the process in us. God never drops the ball. Pastor, do you have any projects at your house that you've started and not finished? You know, stop being nosy. That's, that's not your... Yeah, yeah, there's plenty like that. Does God ever drop the ball and say, oh, I forgot what I was doing. I didn't plan enough. I did have a time several years ago. It's pretty bad when your best illustrations are silly stories on yourself. But I got up with a missionary not to be named Ron Roos. 
And we measured the roof, and then I tried to figure out how many shingles I needed, how many packages, and I went out to the store and bought those. And several of the men in this church actually helped me strip off that old roof and put on the new one, and, and, and thank you again. It's still up, by the way. It's still holding. It's good. But uh, a guy by the name of Roy Smith from our church walked into my garage and saw it, and he goes, where's the rest of them? What? That's not enough. Well, sure enough, I had given the dimensions as I measured out half of the, from the peak to the edge, and I expected the missionary to double it for the other side, and he had, so I bought half of what I needed. And you've never done that, anything close to that, but I have. We've planned poorly and dropped the ball. Jesus, never. Jesus, never. Not only does he give us the gift of faith, but you know what? my Lord Jesus Christ, it says, saves to the uttermost. He never drops the ball. And what the process of salvation, he adds that process of sanctification. He brings us to completion. He brings us to glory. Verse 28 talks of a precious process of maturity. We would say there's one in Christ as well. I, I hope there's a progression. Even though you say, I don't know how it's all happening, but I can tell you, just like every once in a while, you look at your kids and you go, you're growing. You, I can tell because your pants are too short and you're taller on the door than you used to be. Is there visible, manifested growth in your life? might want to write this down. What God's word is, is why the word can't be stopped. What God's word is, what is it? It's, a, it's perfect revelation. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. What it is, is the very reason it cannot be stopped. So don't use anything but that. God is working. And because he is working, we are resting. One day we will enter into his rest. That doesn't mean inactivity. I went back and a uh, passage that uh, Brother Tim shared with us over a few Wednesday nights. I was looking back over that passage and looking into 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let me tell you some of the things that Paul said he endured. He said, we're enduring dishonored, treated as impostered, pu punished, sorrowful, having nothing, but he said that because ministry is through Christ, he says this, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truth, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness. That's where our power is. It's in the seed. Don't mess with the process. Men with another explanation and another gospel have another expectation one uh, I was reading the, some pages excerpts from uh, a smiling wolf in sheep's clothing okay you might figure it out he said I've learned to expect this is page 39 of his book I've learned to expect 
people want to help me. My attitude is, I'm a child of, of the Most High God. My Father created the whole universe. He's crowned me with favor. Therefore, I can expect preferential treatment. Did you get that from the Word of God? Either did he. Then page 108 of his same book, when you think positive, excellent thoughts, you are propelled towards greatness, inevitably bound for increase, promotion, and God's supernatural blessings. And then on page 306, yes, there's 300 pages of this dribble. He says, God will take you places you've never dreamed of, and you will be living your best life now. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 as we close. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's see if Mr. Osteen, oops, if his message lines up with Peter's. 1 Peter 3.12. We'll start at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? You and I would say, oh, there's plenty. There's all kinds of threats out there. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that even when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. You know what we need? We need missionaries who will study and learn, who will plan and go, who will pray, who will preach, who will put their hands to the plow and not look back and all the while say, I'm not here to bring Americanism to Turkey or any other place. I'm not here to make a church of my expectations. I'm here to plant a church as we see in the Word of God. I'm here to cast seed, and I'm, I'm here to watch the Lord do the, bring the harvest. You know what also we need? We need churches who will commit and support, who will pray for the lost, who will visit the field. We need churches that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know what we need? We need individuals, we need believers who will press on with the word of God for the glory of God, even though they say we run up against great opposition. Even when we say, I don't see anything. I, I looked all, I prayed all this week. I had a, thanks for noticing, I had a barber experience yesterday. And um, found out that the barber who was cutting my hair was Jewish. And I used illustration. I we went back to first passage that came to my mind in Jeremiah 18 and 19 and talked about the potter and the clay and, and, and gave them a witness that way. Guess what? I did not get a call in the middle of the night that he trusted the Lord. And so I'm ready to quit the whole process. Say, Pastor, then you need to listen to your own sermon. Let's read this again. Our text from Mark chapter four. 
It's a short one. And he said, the kingdom of God, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows and knows not how. Listen, and the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And I know some want to say, well, this is talking about that we get to see people saved. I might point out that he is talking about this is the, the kingdom of God is like. The one who is sowing is the Lord of the harvest. He reaps, not, not so much the, do, are we supposed to be witnessing? Sometimes do we see a, a soul saved? Yes. But in the bigger picture, Christ said, I am building my church and I am promising a kingdom. And the very Jews that said, we don't want the king, so we, Jesus said, you don't get the kingdom. But, and you'll have to listen to Lincoln's message from Ezekiel at a later point. But the Lord is going to return. And they will look on the shepherd that they struck. And only when Israel turns and they put their faith in Christ and he gives them a new heart, and they are regenerated. Listen, the Lord puts in the, the, the sickle. I read places like Joel chapter 3, verse 14, Revelation chapter 14, verse 15. You know what? You have terminology that the angels of God during the tribulation are going are gonna to put in the sickle. If you and I sanitize this and say, well, this whole process is just when we witness to a person and then we see them come to... No, the Lord of the harvest is the one who... And we take that into, in context with Old Testament passages about judgment. The Lord's going to bring a harvest, but he's going to bring a judgment to this earth first, folks. I'm glad when we as believers witness and see someone saved. And should we be as a church be witnessing? Yes. But in the greater context of the kingdom of God, Jesus is going to bring this harvest. He's going to put in the sickle. He's going to make it so every eye sees him and every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Let's close in prayer. Lord, help us to carry our cross without complaining about the opposition or the difficulty. We do that very well. It might even be our spiritual gift that we complain. We do it so well. No. Make us serve with patience, knowing that you are always at work. Forgive us for our impatience with the process, which is really impatience with you. Your timing is perfect. Fuel us for the hard work of witness this week. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in time, in, in the season of uh, we will reap if we do not give up. Help us not to lose hope. Build us up in Christ today. Give us the desire to build one another up in the body of Christ. Again, not choosing the path of least resistance, but, but rather sometimes making it so that we are 
inconvenienced in order to serve one another, inconvenienced in order to point to the to gospel work. Help us love your appearing, all the while telling others how they can be right with God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.